Welcome to All About Blockchain. We're showcasing the work of scholars funded by the University Blockchain Research Initiative, Ubri. Ripple founded Ubri in 2018 with a 50 million philanthropic gift towards global university partners. Our goal is to accelerate understanding, innovation, and adoption in blockchain. And to find out more about this, you can go to ubri.ripple.com. This show gives a voice to those academics developing real world use cases that solve for today's challenges. My name's Lauren Weymouth, and I'll be your host. About two months ago, we set out to highlight real use cases being produced by academic exploration. And so far, we've talked to professors, researchers, and students about their projects using blockchain in healthcare, energy, agriculture, education, and environmental sectors. And today, we're going to hear about land management. There are four information security research centers spread across India, and the University Blockchain Research Initiative is fortunate to have IIT Bombay, one of those research centers, as a partner. Senior research scientist Vishwas Patil focuses on security, privacy, and blockchain, and is here today to talk with us about his project Landcoin, a simple asset management protocol. We're going to learn what it means and how it will benefit us in the future. Welcome, Vishwas. Hi, Lauren. Thank you for this opportunity. And great to speak on this uh, favorite project of mine with you. Yeah, so we're chatting virtually. I'm in San Francisco. You are in Mumbai? No, I'm in Bidar. I'm at the heart of India. You're at the heart of India? Yeah, around 600 kilometers away from Mumbai due to COVID. Okay, so you're sheltering in place in Bida. <laughs> yeah. And you woke up in my tomorrow. How, how are you doing? I'm great. I'm great. It's a nice morning. Tell us about about your personal journey learning about blockchain? Uh, sure. It's quite interesting. You know, my name Vishwas means trust in English. Okay. And when I started my career, I was, I did my PhD in access control that led to trust management as my first job. At that time, there were no blockchains, only PKIs and applied crypto stuff, all those things. And we were using our creativity to the full extent to solve the problems that we deal due to lack of trust. For example, identity management, for example, ownership of resources, using resources, all those things. So we had a couple of publications on trust management for e-commerce setups. And then... In 2012-13, I came across this blockchain with the discussion of my first boss with whom I worked on trust management. And he said, hey, look, there is something which we were trying in the past has come back again with a new setup. So then I said, okay, let's take a look. And the articles that I was reading uh, in the beginning, it was saying trust machine. I had heard of Turing machine. Then I said, oh, this looks, somebody called it as a God protocol. Uh Then it excited me and I spent some time and it was easy for me to understand because many of the crypto primitives that are used in Bitcoin protocol in the beginning are, we were also using. And then I felt, oh my goodness, so simple, so beautiful. How did this guy think of all those things and put it in such a nice engineering fashion that it has solved really a big problem. And then we came across Ethereum, which was a general purpose version of this uh, protocol and which was trying to solve many of the trust management issues in a flexible way. And then we started investigating all these platforms in depth. And then we started understanding their pros and cons. And we liked it. We are with it. 
We are investing our time in it and we are solving problems using it. So actually, my next question was, what is the thing about blockchain that makes you really like it, that makes you want to do your applied research using this technology? And it sounds like a trust network is one of the keys. What else do you really like about this? The access to the technology means it's uh, at that time when we were in my early days, we had P2P, we had distributed systems with several impossibility results. But we had these Byzantine protocols in our study material. And then we see, look, uh, there is a pragmatic way to solve all these things cohesively. And it's beautiful. And then, yes, sacrificing some of the properties, it is possible to achieve real world solutions for some of the problems with certain conditions to it. And then we said, yes, it's useful in certain context. And why not make use of it? And then the next obvious thing is achieve some of the anchoring mechanisms from this technology and whatever is outside of this uh, technology, for example, off-chain processes, etc. How to marry these two things and still continue guaranteeing security and privacy things that your end users usually demand. So these open problems keep us engaged with this technology because it has promise and we have the wherewithal to make use of this. So you've really studied different types of blockchains. You've looked at the pros and cons and the evolution of them. What had you choose land registry or this land registry project as something to really focus on? What brought you to land management? It has two angles. One, it's a nice problem to be solved, which will help many people, at least in India. And then when I was doing the background study, probably it will help all the people across the world. Second, I have seen this problem personally because I'm the son of a farmer and I have done farming, horticulture, crop growth for two years. And I understand what kind of scenarios a typical farmer goes through and what kind of access to capital that farmer, he or she does not get despite having resources or collateral which are not digitally represented they are at disadvantage from the other population which stays in the city. So I said, then thinking about this problem to the root cause, what I understood is the digital representation of all the assets that they have, livestock, the land they have, the crop on that land, all these are assets, okay? So if we have the mechanism to represent these assets in a digital form, there could be investors across the world or across India or across state or across the village who can see the quality of that asset from which they want the guarantee that whatever the claims are there, they are true. And then only the investor can put money. So assume a farmer requires some short crop loan to save his crop, which is beautiful, but due to bad weather, there is some problem. And this guy desperately needs some help but cannot just because cannot show beyond his village. So how can we solve this problem? The problem is to bring all these assets, which are not in formal system, into a formal system. And the people who will be relying on these assets will have a basic requirement that these assets are not forged, which is the case as of now. In India, the databases of land registry are still questionable. Means there are a lot of litigation. 
because they have shifted from paper to database and they have borrowed all the problems from paper to database. Now, the next step is to clean this database. Okay. I don't know how much of the percentage of the land is clean. So that, that data I do not have. But what I personally know is there is a problem. Some states have taken many nice initiatives to put these records as they have in public domain, which anyone can query and take a look. But the problem of helping these assets to transfer hands is still existing. So we felt that this is a good protocol which can complement the problems that government is facing. And it will also help the farmers of this all the world, I guess. So one of the current challenges with land registry in India is an accurate account of the land and land ownership. And you're saying that there's possibly some inaccurate or fraudulent accounts that need to be cleaned up. And this can be done through a new record database? So uh, our experience with some of the government officials is there is some land which is clean, which has no issues, which should quickly get into the protocol. Then there is some portion of the land which is under litigation. Let the court decide about that. Then there is a bigger owner, which is government, which has huge amount of lands and which uh, makes use of it for several purposes apart from forest, uh, means for uh, tribes, etc all those things and uh, then they have different set of regulations for each of these classes of land these are local challenges so we are trying to abstract out these challenges at a higher level and see whether our protocol will help all the states across india where our abstraction is easy enough for them to represent their challenges or local regulations into the protocol and what i heard you say earlier was that this would also create an, an open source record, transparent records that people could check on. So can there be a public audited platform where people can check the status of land? Yeah, of course. Because if you want trust in the asset, it has to be visible. It has to be visible to its users. So we don't have who is the user. So it has to be open. And as of now, the states like Karnataka, Andhra, and a couple of other states who have put their databases online they are open, not only for India, for anyone who has internet connection. They can download these records, check who is the owner, check what kind of loans are issued on that land, and what is the mutation history of that land. So whatever they have on paper, they have made a sincere effort to put it in a digital database. The next step will be to make this data programmable or flexible enough to be used as collateral in many things and help mutations of these assets possible. And which ledger protocols did you review to create this? Because looking at the expectations of the end user and the process that we have prevalent in India, the obvious choice anyone would say, let's go for Ethereum because it will allow you all the bells and whistles through its programming language. And yes, then the next thing when we were proposing these all these things to some of the bureaucrats who were techno-savvy, the question was, can you guarantee? Can you guarantee correctness of this thing? Then the thing was, uh, means around the same time, there were uh, some issues with Ethereum. And then those questions made us think, oh, look, this platform has problems, but this Bitcoin problem doesn't have problem. What is the fundamental difference between these two? So uh, Prof said, look, this is a limited instruction set protocol, and this is a general purpose protocol. So with limited 
instruction set protocols, it is possible to give all these guarantees because it is easier to verify. And Bitcoin and its clones are simple. There are only two operations, send and receive, simple enough. So then we thought, why to get into all these other requirements that these guys are asking? Just borrow something simple and around that, see whether we can do that uh, programming magic outside the chain. Means the trust anchor will stay on the chain and the process-related nitty-gritty should be off the chain. That is also possible under Ethereum, but we went for a Litecoin protocol, which is an open source protocol which we can modify and which we have modified and tried to use it uh, to show our proof of concept. So you created a permission blockchain that's a modified protocol to achieve the end goals. And can transfer of assets be achieved? Like, how do you get that to work? Ah, so see, Litecoin is a permissionless thing, which you can convert it into permission by changing the code where you can say only these public keys can participate in mining. That is a simple approach we have taken. And the other set of miners will accept only that whitelisted public keys uh, blocks. Okay, And that way we have made it permission. And to represent assets, it's a complex problem. Okay, Because value is one thing. And asset has not only physical, probably physical representation and also inherent value in it. Okay. So having tokens defining values which stays static, for example, US dollar or Indian rupees, but assets are subjective, means the buyer will decide what should be the value of the asset. So we don't we did not want to get into those conversions and etc. things. So what we thought a simple approach would be just identify the assets and label those assets. So what we have is amount of coins with us, okay, which we can call as labels or tokens, which we are attaching to a regular piece of land in the bootstrap phase of the protocol. And once this phase is over, the keys are locked and no more assignments will be done. Uh, only under exceptional things, probably, because I'll tell you one interesting thing when we were speaking with Assam government's bureaucrats. Then they said, look, Vishwas, we have this scenario that every year the floods come and we lose some land and we gain new land. How do we represent that? Okay. So we had to give this possibility, means this is additional and a requirement that we did not think of, which will force you to open up this bootstrap phase again. But we can bypass this requirement through other engineering ways also. So uh, that is one thing. So representation of assets we have done just by labeling the assets through tokens. And then it is open for the parties, buyer and seller or government and its population to define the value of that asset outside the protocol which they can register on the protocol as an attribute in the transaction they are submitting. So you've talked about government being a stakeholder in this project. Who are the other stakeholders that this will affect? Apart from government, I think uh, the real estate sector, and then there are private sectors who do contract farming, all those kind of things. It is not yet clear to me because we haven't gone into looking for stakeholders. We are still in the process of concretizing our idea. 
and probably after that we'll know who else will be interested in this but as far as now the owner of the land is state government and then the central government does not have a role in the ownership of land records so individual states are the stakeholders and we are proposing this protocol in a fashion that states can join and leave the protocol our design is in that fashion and people across the states with their national identities that we have can interact with other states side chains so it means we are taking the current process we are trying to mimic and trying to give the same experience that the current because if you want your protocol to be useful you shouldn't move too far from the existing practices okay you have to give them parallels whatever they were doing there is a equivalent over here so that is one consideration we have in mind and you're working with the government to make sure that this is appropriate and usable and that you have buy in from them so they're almost a partner in this no they are not yet but they have given us their scenarios for example the assam government gives us their current land management practices then the telangana government has this board called waqf board which is a land management authority for minorities so they have different set of rules for whatever land they have okay so the process may not be same for everyone depending on your whether you are a minority whether it's a tribe whether it's for business purpose the processes are different so the fundamental thing remains asset ownership but the process nitty gritties we don't want to involve in the base instruction set it has to be outside so we have taken a layered approach there is a main chain which talks purely about land ownership anyone can make a query to that it's a public database and see who is the owner and then there is a side chain which whose owners are the states who are the real controllers of the land and side chains either can give you public information partial public or completely private information it depends on the type of transaction and how does someone go about making a query so the main chain is open with public facing api interfaces where you can make a query as you make to a bitcoin network or litecoin network but side chains are also publicly facing api interfaces but where you have to submit your credentials okay and if you have a ongoing transaction and the side chain acknowledges that it will show you the status of your transaction and if you are a notary or if you are a registrar of that particular state you again have to submit your credentials and you can see whatever that level of authority is allowed to see so there is a mix of main chain and so there are around 27 states so these 27 chains are anchored on the main chain so they are reading data from main chain and they are writing data to the main chain and they have their own ledgers also which are temporary It means all the commitments they have to make on main chain and temporary process states they have to hold on the side chain and so that's how you're able to create rules by the different 27 states yeah and all their scenarios local scenarios but all of these 27 side chains have a standard way to interact with main chain internally what they do main chain doesn't care okay so what main chain expects is a label data that's all and it will hold it miners will mine it and it becomes a part of the ledger which anyone can query So have you and your team already had the opportunity to present a paper on this? 
Yeah, we have presented preliminary versions of this work, uh, which got several kind of responses. Some why blockchain, okay, <laughs> that also we had to defend, and then some were quite intrigued. And in one of such presentations, uh, so our interaction with government started with one such presentation in Hyderabad, that Niti Aayog people, which is the advisory body to the government of India were there and they got interested in this and then they took this work to Telangana government and Assam government with whom we have interactions. And how was the response there? Ah, uh, Assam government is interested because I think the person with whom uh, we were interacting is quite techno savvy. He was excited and he said he will help on his side bring this proof of concept for fruition and he will take it uh, further. So uh, the ball is on our side now to give the POC with the uh, rules that they have. And Telangana government gave us this smaller problem, which is that Waqf board, which is a Muslim minority land management board. So they have given their uh, set of rules, uh, which they expect us to mimic on this side chain. So the response is mixed. I think they are also interacting with industry partners. And as far as I understand, they are using different proprietary protocols to achieve their land management uh, expectations. But I think the problem is still open for solution. So what is the next step for Landcoin? Next step is to complete this proof of concept with uh, at least these two rule sets that we have at hand from two government bodies. And once we get a feedback from them, what problems they are facing or what more expectations they have. We'll see what engineering solutions we can bring to the platform. And once we have this confidence that one type of class is successfully represented on blockchain, we will see how other classes of assets can again be labeled and brought onto this platform or linked with this platform. For example, the land on which I'm sitting is a perennial resource, okay? It's an asset which will stay there even after I go. But the crop that is being produced on this land comes in every season, but it's an asset which is being brought to this world. How do we label this asset? And how do we help this asset to maintain its value until it is brought into the market? So that kind of problems, I want to see whether I can represent them or help this protocol to solve these kind of problems. That makes sense that once you finish the proof of concept that you look at other assets that also require external validation that could benefit from your protocol. Correct, yeah. And um, would you look to bring in new partners? Are, are there other people involved? What does your team look like? Um, we certainly need the government departments to be interested about it for it to be a success because they are the primary stakeholders. And then moving uh, away from that means we also need to see an industry partner which can uh, take it into a larger engineering implementation and give proper quality of service to the stakeholders and the other sectors who might make use of the different types of assets that are being represented on this protocol. So the stakeholders are, again, means if it is successful, different type of assets, depending on what type of asset you are bringing on the platform, those stakeholders have to be there. 
But as of now, only the state governments. Understandable. And how long will this take to come to fruition? What are your time goals for this? I hope in a year. In the 2021 should have a good proof of concept where we can face it to public and uh, improve it further to solve at least the smaller versions of the land management that these two governments have provided to us. Well, that sounds promising. Can it be made deterministic so that people don't have to endlessly wait for a query? One of the fundamental questions that had come and which had made us to choose Litecoin was, will it be deterministic? Because theoretically, there are papers that talk about indeterminism in the guaranteeing of a transaction being written to the ledger. So what kind of guarantees do you give? We said that, look, uh, we won't get into that general purpose way of writing programs, but we are sticking to the script-based approach, which Litecoin or Bitcoin uses, where we don't have to verify many things to you, which is, uh, so far, there are no glitches with these protocols. And then on top of that, we can tweak the protocol to give certain hard conditions that you expect the protocol to return values in a stipulated time. That is possible. Great. And where do we want to send people to find out more about Landcoin? Oh, we have a draft of this paper on our website, on the Center of Excellence on Blockchain. Uh, So the link that I can share with you, uh, or you can go to isrdc.in and on that webpage, you can see blockchain coe and going on that page you will find publications tab where you can find the landcoin paper that's great and i can drop the link into the podcast well vishwas i have really enjoyed having you on the show and learning more about the future of land management using blockchain nice Uh, always a pleasure to speak about what i'm doing and uh, explain to people who are curious to know how we are solving real world problems Thank you, Lauren. Yes, and, I, and I'd like to introduce you actually to some other scholars. We'll have a follow-up episode that goes into the application of blockchain in real estate with security tokenization. So these things connect. You should know each other. Thank you to our listeners for opening your minds to new adaptations of this technology. And as always, if you have any questions about this episode or any feedback for new episodes, please reach out to uberi at ripple.com. 